If you have your Bibles, look with me at Joshua chapter 5. And I'd like to pray here to begin. Oh Lord God, you are here. And we pray that you would convince us of that. Lord, I pray that in my weakness that you would use me, your servant, to declare this great word. It is too great for me. But I pray that your spirit would take it and would use it as you have been using it in my life and have been drawing my heart to you and assuring me that this is the word that you had as I prayed and asked you. This is the word you have for all of us now. Please let your word transform us as you transformed Joshua. Yes, now by your spirit, because we come through the blood of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. At the end of Joshua chapter 5, we read the often forgotten preface to Israel's great victory over Jericho. But we shouldn't look past these verses because we could say that those public, that public dramatic event of what happened at Jericho would not have happened if it wasn't for the private encounter of Joshua and the commander of the Lord's army. And I think similarly, in eternity, when the books of heaven are opened, that the coming revival, the great awakening that we are praying toward will be traced back to individuals who were visited by the Lord. So let's look at Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. And I'll stop there as the text goes on to describe the battle instructions in detail as God lays out his plan. There are four uh, points I'd like to, to share with you today um, about how we all need an encounter with the living God because of these, these, four, th these four keys. 
and that that we can we cannot reach in any other way. The text begins here, speaking of Joshua by Jericho. Here he is coming out to Jericho, probably because he's thinking about the the battle to come. It seems reasonable. He's observing the enemy like any good general would. Just as he sent those two spies earlier to gather information here, he's probably coming near the city to see if there's, there's a strategic way to break through. This is the Canaanite fortress. Is there a secret way in? Is there uh, some, some way that they can get over the wall? Uh, maybe even Rahab in the, in the city. Perhaps she might be a key to breaking in. Of course, we don't know precisely what he was thinking, but from the slowness of his, his discerning spirit, how slow he was to discern who the warrior was who rebuked him, it seems that Joshua was more battle conscious than God conscious, that he was more aware of the present crisis at hand than the presence of his God at hand. And here's a man of like passions with us. How often do we, in spite of all the great promises of God and all of our past history with God, do we forget the Lord? And we drift out of God consciousness. What do we need in such times? Like Joshua, we need a fresh encounter with the living God. We need the Lord himself. And here, as Joshua surveying Jericho, when he, he's thinking about this coming battle, all of a sudden, something catches his attention. He sees someone. Who is that? I, I thought I was alone here. A man with his sword drawn facing me, and he sees me. I'll go closer. I'll find out who he is. So with his hand perhaps on his hilt, or maybe even with his own sword drawn, he approaches this stranger, and he initiates... The conversation, asking the stranger to reveal his loyalties. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? A reasonable question, but not an appropriate question. Not an appropriate one for the one to whom he was speaking. Should Joshua even be initiating this conversation? Here he is, very conscious of this battle, conscious of his enemies, more than conscious of God. He's more aware of this present crisis than the awesome, holy presence of God. And so the answer comes with a gentle rebuke. No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So God is coming to Joshua first so that Joshua would acknowledge God's presence to really acknowledge that God was with him. Verse 14, I have now come. God was with Joshua all the time. He was with the Israelites all throughout, but Joshua needed a fresh reminder that God's presence was there fighting for Israel, just as he had promised, that God himself was going to fight. And especially in this battle, Israel was just going to do very little in, in regards to 
God's plan. Secondly, God visited Joshua so that Joshua would submit to God's leadership. It's important that Joshua realized who was in charge. It says when, when he was rebuked there and the Lord responds, it says Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Here, the warrior prince says, no, no, he's not fighting for the Canaanites and neither is he fighting for the Israelites either. Why does, why does this warrior say that? He's not fighting for Israel? Because Joshua needed to be reminded who is in charge. Who is the one who makes the plans? Who is the one who activates the plans? It's God. God gave him the responsibility of leader, but he was an under-shepherd, and he needed to submit to the commander of the Lord's army. He needed to follow the Lord's plans. He needed to be ready and, and eager to receive the word from his commander and to act upon it because there was a higher ranking officer present. And every military man knows you submit to the higher ranking officer. And Joshua does exactly that. He, he's down on his face. And he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Are we in that position before God? Are we there asking, waiting, ready to receive his word to us and ready to act upon it? Do we have that heart of submission and humility before the Lord because we recognize who he is? He is the Lord and we are his servants. Or do we tend to be the front leader and ask God to help us fulfill our plans instead of asking God to use us to fulfill his plans? Just days earlier, after God had powerfully used Joshua to lead those Israelites across the Jordan River, the river was flooded and such a powerful display of, of God guiding his people through. At the end of that event, Joshua 4, verse 14, it says, On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. When the Spirit of God comes upon us in some mighty way in, in a public act of service, whether it be preaching or, or even praying, when the Spirit of God leads us and uses us in a powerful way. Oftentimes, the Lord brings us down to the dust on our faces before him to remind us that we are just mere men whom he uses because the noxious gases of pride so often come in and fill our hearts. And what is it that drives away all of those gases? When we come in contact with a living God and we're before him in his holiness, how can there be any pride? And so what we need is to come in contact with God himself because there before the presence of God, we are ready to be used by him to carry out his purposes. But 
that is not the next thing he does with Joshua. He doesn't give him the plan. What the next verse after this, him, Joshua bowing down. What is, what is your, your orders, commander? Verse 15. Joshua needs to tremble before the holiness of God. The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, verse 15, take your sandals off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Before Joshua needed the plan, before he needed to know what to do, he needed to be still and to know who was talking to him. The Holy One who had appeared to his spiritual father, Moses, who had told Moses to remove his sandals because the place where he stood was holy. He is the one who came and and is leading Joshua to this trembling before him in his holiness as well. Is our greatest need wisdom to know what to do? Or is there a greater need for renewed awareness of the holiness of God? When we are there humbled before the Lord, when he assures us of his holiness, then he gives us his plan. And sometimes it's surprising to us. It's mysterious. And for various reasons, I think here in chapter six, that this is just an, an outflow of chapter five. Um, chapter six, verse one, I, I think is the parenthetical statement that verse two is just a continuation of this conversation. When the Lord gives him, Joshua, this is what I want, his command. He says in verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. And it's king and the mighty men of valor. So the Lord lays out an unusual plan. Joshua never thought of it. All of his strategies, all the spies, figuring everything out, uh, all those got scratched because God's plan was beyond what he could even imagine. And now Joshua's ready to carry it out. It's not strange, too strange for him. He's ready to obey. And this is what the Lord has for us. May the Lord visit each of us and move us to seek him till we are ready to obey whatever he tells us. And I close with Psalm 2 verses, Psalm 105 verse 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And we will find the promise of Psalm 34. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I believe the outpouring of the spirit of God is one of those good things that will come to us who seek the Lord. Amen.